Hey, this is Jay. Before we start the episode, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Calibra was just named a leader in the 2023 Forrester Wave Report for data governance solutions. If you don't know what the Forrester Wave is, it's essentially a guide for us buyers considering options for software. If you want to get to know Forrester a bit better, go back and check out our recent episodes with Raluca Alexandru and Michelle Getz from Forrester. I love these conversations. We had a total blast. And I can't resist making a plug here either. To learn more about the report, go to Calibra.com slash data download dash Forrester Wave dash DG. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes as well, so that it's easy for you to navigate to them and check out those reports. All right, back to the show. This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. Good data governance ultimately results in the ability for everyone in your organization to find and understand data through a shared language. We want to operationalize data governance with effective workflows and processes to deliver trusted data for the people, by the people, across your organization. It's a huge challenge for many, and we've seen orders of magnitude of growth in the amount of data being captured, stored, and leveraged. We want to make sure the right data is being used by the right people for the right reasons. So we brought in someone to help us understand this journey. I'm Joe Wallace. I'm the Senior Manager of Data Governance at Adobe, but I've been at Adobe for over 12 years now. I've been at the company over a decade now. I've done everything from finance and FP&A to building data lakes to dashboards to all those kinds of different things. And here I am today in data governance for the past over three years. I don't come from a technology background. I graduated from law school, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. My wife and I lived in Burma for a year where we did NGO work, came back, somehow Adobe hired me, and here I am. I have a lot of different experiences that I bring into the conversation. Everything from an FBI internship to slinging Italian food. All of those things impact how I see data governance and how I see things shaped and how I see things needing to be shaped. All right. So you said, I think you said four years ago is when the data governance program began. Is that about right? Yeah. So my boss, Simi, began the program about five years ago. We've actually had Calibra installed and used it for the past five years started with kind of a business problem. And then eventually that program came into my world where I first was introduced to data governance, what that means, how to do it, that kind of stuff. What opportunities were seen or what problems were you guys looking to address? Sure. So we often say, start small, think big, iterate often. It's actually the other way around. Think big, start small, (laughs) iterate often. And um, we started off with a business problem that literally everyone has. Two people, going into a meeting, reporting a number, and that number being slightly different than the next person reporting it. And, you know, those conversations can be like angsty. You know, I mean, I've never heard the word denominator said with such malice and anger, but, you know, denominators get a bad rap. But but they did. <laughs> and that happens. And I know that happens everywhere. It's not just here. And so it started out with that. It started out by saying, let's define how these metrics are created calculated what they mean, who's the official source of truth for this kind of thing. We started out with those types of business problems. And that's actually where I came in because I was building out a data lake for a specific part of Adobe. And they said, hey, you should consider data governance. You need to talk to these people. And I said, 
what is that? Like data governance, what is data governance? It sounds like a lot of work and it doesn't sound like something I want to do. But you know, when Simi kind of pointed out, this is going to solve business problems. This is going to really help drive your product and the thing you're trying to build farther into the company. Well, and you were denominator guy, right? Being the data engineer. You know, I'm more of a numerator guy. Naturally, <laughs> I, I prefer a numerator to a denominator, but, you know, they're both. They good. go hand in hand. They I do. Guess. Yeah. You have to have <laughs> you a have numerator. Have yeah, yeah. True. So you started solving some problems. So let's talk about the other side of solving the problem. If you can get specific, what was viewed as the value proposition by solving that problem? Let's get into that a little bit. You know, I've thought a lot about this value proposition question because on its face, you know, decreasing that time to value, time to insight, that's really good. That's important. And that was the initial value proposition. We can avoid those fights, avoid arguing over denominators, and we can create sources of truth to say this is the official place to go. That was the initial kind of value add. But it's really grown over the past few years because the farther into data governance you get, the more you start to see the value that you can add. So it's not just limited to fight reduction. And that's great because no one wants to fight. But there's also all kinds of other things, duplicate data that just pops up over and over. Somebody says, oh, I need this for my use case. And then they pull it in and then they do whatever with it. And then they create their own new source of truth. Great. Not what you want. So there's decrease in storage costs, compute costs. There's new insights you can derive, especially now the way legislation's rolling out across the world. You know, we have the new privacy policy in Vietnam coming out. We have new one in India. We have all these things. And unless you can comply with those laws, you probably can't sell there. So it opens up the doors to even new revenue potential and new revenue opportunities. So, you know, really firmly governing what you have and understanding what you have and how it should be used and providing that guidance, that's the key. We've spent 20, 25 years saying, data, 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 give me the data. I want to analyze the data. We're going to drive with data. We're going to do things with data. And now we're here with mountains of data, and we have no clue what to do with it. We have no real knowledge of where it is, how to use it, what's the most efficient and effective way of using it. That's the real value proposition of data governance. It's protecting it. It's making it searchable. It's helping people use it in the right ways at the right times for the right purpose. Couldn't have said it better myself. So to recap, hearing you say that your value proposition started with reducing unproductive arguments about math. Mm-hmm so that business can concentrate on getting to an insight as fast as possible so that they can do something in their business based on that insight. Exactly. That's the point. So I think you called it reducing the time to insight. How do you measure that? Because that sounds tricky. So this is another problem that we had. Everyone wants to take credit for like revenue. Or not <laughs> like yeah. if you added up all the percentages of all the teams who say they're adding to revenue, be like 900,000%. So I didn't tie it back to that. For me, what I tie it back to is how many people are looking and how long are they looking? How many people are leveraging the tools that we're putting out there? How many people are actually consuming data governance artifacts? And we have a lot. We've grown 100% year over year. I was just looking at our numbers today for June, and it's like 30% higher than it was even last month. So how many people are actually leveraging these things? To me, that's my measuring stick, not only because that's the one I can get the easiest, but also because that's how you know you're having an impact. No one's measuring fights per meeting. Like that's not a KPI. Right, right, right. But this is maybe fights avoided. Yes, exactly. 
as we got through that discussion, you started to get into data governance, I should say, becoming an enabler to drive revenue at the business by leveraging data. You know, we have mountains of data. Now we can find it. Now we can understand it and use it. So it sounds like you've gone from solving this one argument reduction problem to a broader perspective. Now that you've got some experience with it and built up an an actual program, have you established a mandate? Like, how do you define your program? What's the mandate? What's the mission? Is there a scope? Our vision is making trusted data discoverable. That's it, period. We initially had this long thing that was flowery and four breaths to say the whole thing. But ultimately, (laughs) it it boils down to making trusted data discoverable. Now, you have to break each of those terms down. What is trusted? Well, trusted could mean lots of different things depending on your scope. And for us, our scope has broadened, right? Initially, it was operational data used to make operational decisions and drive the company. Now, we've expanded that. So trust for us means our customers are using our products confidently, knowing that their data is secure, knowing that there's not going to be some issue, knowing that it's going to be there, knowing that it could be recovered and backed up if it's not there. That is really important. Making our customers understand that we take this seriously and this should be an afterthought for them. So it started internally with an internal orientation and now your mandate is to drive trust among your customers. Very much so, yeah. That's a huge change. Yeah, but it's multi-layered, right? There are different, I call them data verses. I'm sure there's a better term. But the customer is only one part because you also need to make sure that when someone's going into a QBR or whatever business analyst thing they're making, that they are confident that their numbers are right, that they're not going to go into a meeting and pull up a dashboard and it's going to fall apart or someone else is going to follow them and start a new denominator fight. That's another component of trust. And the other one is around kind of our global IP. How do we make sure that our source code is locked down? We know where it is. We know who has access to it. Like all three of those data verses are all covered under the umbrella of data governance. Is security a partner to you in this or are they part of you? So we're connected. The way I think of my team is kind of the hub of a wheel. We're in the center and we have that source of truth. We pull together all the different artifacts and places and pieces, or we try to. We're not there yet. We're working on it, right? That's the goal. But we're the hub of that wheel. Some of the spokes of that wheel are security, privacy, corporate governance, legal. They're all different spokes of a common wheel. And that wheel is Adobe. That's a great visual. So do you want to break down that vision as a part of the mandate conversation? You said make trusted data discoverable. Sure. Yeah. Right. So you helped us with trust. Yep. Let's do the others. All right. So data, even the word data is so dense, like it's layered, it's multi-layered, just like the word trust is. So data could mean data, like actual tables, columns, schemas, you know, this table goes to that table, that's data. But it also could mean your assets, right? Your assets are things like your IP, your code, all that different kind of stuff. And that's included. The other one is content. Content is our customers' content, things that they're storing in the document cloud or creative cloud. It's also our own content that we're storing on SharePoint or Wiki or wherever. Like, it's all of those things. In fact, we're actually 
going through sort of a, I don't know, I'll call it rebrand. Instead of data governance, we're talking about digital asset governance. Because when you say data to different people, it could mean lots of different things. And it's kind of narrow generally when you say data to someone, they think tables, columns, schemas. How does this metric get created? And we're, we're thinking way more broad than that. Well, and you are the PDF people, so. That's right. <laughs> so, so, so it is beyond the tables and columns, isn't it? Yeah. By the way, I got a notification. Have you uh, installed your update, Jay? You need to up- install your update. Uh, no, you can tell that, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's 90% of my job. <laughs> right. That kind of governance. All right. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Now I understand why we're having this conversation. All right. All right. So let's do the last, <laughs> the last word in your vision was discoverable. And I think you already hinted at that before. So talk to me. So discoverable means you can find it, right? That one on its face is kind of straightforward. Can you discover it? Then it's discoverable. But how do you discover it? That's where the ambiguity falls. So we do pull everything or are working in on pulling everything into our data governance center, our data catalog. But do you realize how much that is? It is like 900 jillion tables and columns. I mean, it's insane, right? And so then you have to think, well, how do we parse through this? How do we really help somebody know what they're looking for? Because yes, it can be discovered, but it's like a treasure hunt. You don't want things to be a treasure hunt. Right, (laughs) Right, exactly. Right. And so we're working on different algorithms and different things to be able to say, okay, let's look at who's using this, how they're using it, how often they're using it, and what's the diversity of the group that's using it. And then we score it, right? We call that the trust score. Oh, cool like a credit score of different components to really tell you. The other thing we're working on is prioritization, like a prioritization model. I'm rebuilding that because, you know, initially when we were more internally focused, the top tier, the most important thing that we had was our financial data that we're reporting out to the street. With a broader view, when you zoom out a little bit, that's still important, but our customer's data is always number one. That's always the most important thing. Once that's in the scope, that becomes the most important. Exactly, absolutely. always. Absolutely, totally makes sense, yeah. All right, well, that was that's really cool. Okay, I totally get it. That's a great vision statement. It's super simple. Obviously, you described there's a whole lot of new ones under each of the, each of the three words there, but it's super simple to grasp, and it becomes powerful because of that. So let me ask you, so your company is tens of thousands of employees, and you're a team of only a handful, I think, right? So you've got a central team. It's a huge scale. So, so how does data governance work with a small team and a large org? So we approach it a few different ways. When we have thought big, started small, and continually iterate, right? We go into each use case. Like initially, a few years ago, I would have to go out to people and using my talking skills, I was having to like convince people. There's a lot of like, data governance is the best. Here's why you want to do it. Now people are coming to me. And so that reputation has grown a lot and everyone leans in. Nobody says no to governance until you ask them to do something, then they push back. But nobody says no to governance. Everyone recognizes the criticality of it. And so we've tried to take each of those use cases and build on it. And so we started out with metric definitions and then we said, hey, that went really well. What are we going to do next? And so then we said, well, let's put that part that we know that we learned some lessons from and that we've applied well and let's put that in a playbook and then do the next level and then do the next level. And so we've created a bunch of different playbooks. I tried to make them kind of interactive and interesting because data governance can also seem dry to people. And so putting together playbooks based on things we've learned has allowed us to go to these people who come to me and say, I want to do data governance and give them a playbook and say, awesome, go do it. 
And so that's kind of my focus is almost like a center of excellence. Now, there are some use cases where we have to lean in more and we have to help drive, give more than templates, give more than, you know, handholding and really get under the covers. But generally, that's what it is. It's charm and hustle. I stole <laughs> Alec Baldwin's line from Glengarry Glenn Ross and always tell my team, always be closing. ABC, guys, every conversation, every everything, <laughs> sell, sell, sell. And that's been really important. I mean, it's what we do. Very good. All right. So you are empowering teams or people throughout the business to do their own governance. Is that another way to think about what you just described? Like you're not doing the governance work for them in most cases now. You're getting them started. I think you call them templates and playbooks so that they can do that. There is one nuance, very much so. They go out, they do the initial things, they put all the stuff into Calibra, then we govern, right? You can't govern what you don't know exists. Okay. And that is a constant problem. And I guarantee you, I'm not the only one with that problem. You can't govern it if you don't know it's there. So as we build out that catalog and as people add more things, then we can actually truly begin to put the govern in governance. Otherwise, it's just tell us your metrics, tell us your tables, tell us your content. So they're doing that part so that we can govern. Maybe this should have been my first question. How would you define data governance? That is a good question. Because this is now going to be some follow-up questions related to this last little thread there. Yeah. Uh, boy, I'm a terrible interviewer. Why didn't I ask that first? <laughs> <laughs> I blame you for you that. Hit? Actually, I blame me for that because I just started talking. So what is data governance? I think of data like water. And generally, when you're going to go to get a drink of water... You go to the tap, turn on the water, fill up your glass, and you drink it. You don't think about it. You just drink that water. You don't think maybe there's going to be lead or giardia or moose droppings or whatever in that water. You just drink it, right? So you just consume it. And data should be that same way, right? You should be able to go to the tap. Well, first, find the tap, turn on the tap, and consume that data just like you did with that water. Data should be the same. It should be clean. You shouldn't have to worry about it. You shouldn't have to think about 25 different angles of questions or concerns that you have with it. You just consume it. And that is a really important component of what data governance can provide. It's clean water. It's clean data. Come on. I just drank some water and you're saying there's moose droppings in here. I said maybe. It looks clean. It is from Maine where they have those mooses. They do have moose. And wolverines, I think. Anyway, to me, data governance, it does go back to that vision statement, making trusted data discoverable. Data governance is one, identification and classification of what data you have and what's important. And that's the broad use of the term data. Then there's the other side of that coin, because you also then have to start identifying, well, what's important for this stuff? What do we do with it? Now that we know it exists, what do they have to do? And that's a lot of, you know, kind of our next phase. Now that we've built out a fairly robust data catalog, it's around what do they have to do? So for us, we're starting with ransomware and we're saying, okay, the thing that we know they have to do are these four specific techniques, which help protect us from ransomware attack. And those are the things that we need to make sure everybody's doing and we need to do it at this grain and blah, blah, blah. And so that's the part that we're doing now. Then the third, the third phase is kind of that audit phase. Are we still up to date? Are we still doing these things? Cindy, who's our CIO, would be like, so when's this going to be complete? When's data governance complete? I'm like, I don't know when we're in the grave. Like, it's never going to stop. 
<laughs> like this is a lifetime thing I've signed up for. Like there's a maintenance component that never ends because once you've done it once, you got to review it. You got to make sure it's still there. And there's always new things. And just stuff changes. The use of data changes. Could be the same data, but the yeah. use of it changes. So That's of right. course you've got to keep that up to date. Absolutely. All right. So you've clarified how you're approaching the term data governance, right? It's know your data, where it is, classify it, et cetera, so that you can protect it, use it for the right purposes. So now when we talk about that last question with you acting as a center of excellence, I think you said, for helping teams around your business do that work, you said you give them playbooks and templates to catalog, I guess, right? And get stuff entered and then you govern it. What is that last little step there that you're calling you govern it? Is it just approving? Is it writing better words? Like what, <laughs> what, what is that last step? If you can tell me. So the actual governance component is around validating that they are compliant with different things. Now, oh, okay. I'm Got not it. the compliance guy, right? That's not what I'm saying. But like I said, with the, the hope, the, the hub of that wheel, I can help the compliance people know what to comply. Well, that's great. Okay. So you're just connecting dots, the multiple spokes on the hub. Yeah. Okay. That, that totally makes sense now. What's next? You've been on this, you know, several year journey. So what's, what are you changing soon next or, or otherwise in this program? So I'm actually really jazzed about it. In fact, my kids and wife hate hearing me talk about data governance. <laughs> I've been relegated to like, it's like a bunker in our basement now because they say I talk too loud. So I'm like in this bunker yelling about data governance, excitedly though, not the fighting way. Um, they hate it. And in fact, thank you for giving me this opportunity, Jay, to talk about <laughs> exactly. data governance because this is like an hour less I'll talk to them about it later this afternoon. It's great. Right. So so your family your family thanks us. Excellent. Yes, exactly. But they My won't, family but, thanks you. But they won't subscribe because they don't want to hear it here either. No, they, they don't like data. But so <laughs> I got so excited yesterday. I was like, this we're almost there. This is gonna work. And the thing that I'm trying to do that is so it's like all of my vision coming together in one place. It's tying all these dots together. So our service registry tied with all of our cloud accounts and those volumes and whether or not they are backed up and how they're backed up to are we doing business impact analyses on these? And if so, what does it say? Is this important or not important? Tying that stuff back to a business process to say, oh, and this talks to this business process, which helps us delight our customers with whatever experience or helps them buy more efficiently or whatever, like tying that back into that. And then that's how you can tie all the way back down into the metrics. Yeah. That's GPS, man. That's telling you the whole story. It's awesome. And, and we can do it. This has been, you know, for many organizations, the, the holy grail of, of the technology space is give me a dependency graph that I can trust. Right. Yep. So I, I come from support background in, in many, many ways. And, and when I hear you say, I can connect all of this to the business process, my head goes to, so when there's a disaster with your tech, you can troubleshoot your way back through all of those components. So that's, a, I think, another, the value that I heard was, uh, was on that end of it. Well, and it's not just if there's a disaster or something goes down, actually, it's also proactive. So, so what we did was we, for one metric, right, this was about 18 months ago. This is also what put me on the map. So we took one metric, one key metric for Adobe, and we documented the business process flows, the business rules, the tables, schemas, columns, systems, all that stuff. And we documented all of it and we put a name on it. And this is going to make people sing. Everyone hum to yourselves. We called it the circle of life. 
By the way, calling it Circle of Life has ruined that song for me. Not that it was like top tier anyway, but I now hate that song. Anyway, we called it the Circle of Life. This stuff has to be protected at all costs. If someone's changing this set of tech, they have to go through an approval process. They have to update things. They have to communicate it. So change management to me- it drives your change control process. Yes, right. it's so powerful. And we've seen it over and over and over again. We've seen both sides. Initially, we saw people making changes and that breaking something downstream. And now we've seen someone making a change. And before it breaks, they get a communication. They get a notification to say, hey, by the way, you know this process or this system or whatever is changing, you need to know. And oftentimes they don't even know that's happening. So are you measuring those disasters avoided, right? Because that sounds like another win to chalk up. Disasters cost or problems cost this much money or time to troubleshoot and resolve. Now we're avoiding them because this change control process just prevented a problem. How awesome. I mean, how do you measure the value of insurance, right? You don't know how many fires your smoke alarm. Well, actually, that's a bad example. You don't know <laughs> how many like... I don't know, deaths having new tires prevented because all of them, we prevented all of them. But unless it's, it's insurance, that's what it is. Yeah, so you know what I've seen? Um, one way to do that that can help is if in your change control process, someone saves the day because of the change control process, then you can say, I, I prevented a disaster or I prevented whatever that outage might've been. Yeah. Right. So some change control processes go with flawlessly and you just go through all your steps, but some actually have, you have to backtrack. You have to, you have to change course or, you know, or abandon, right? Well, there you go. Your change, your change process worked because it prevented the problem. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Yeah. There's one way to, there's one way to measure. Well, there you go. I'm going to start measuring there it. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Call me when that's done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know. Bring me back. All right. So. This has been a wonderful journey that you've described, and your next steps sound awesome too. Tell us about some of the challenges that you've had maybe along the way, either early versus now, or, or you know, pick something that you think was, was particularly gnarly uh, that you needed to work through as you, as you got this going. Nobody says no to governance until you ask them to do something. And that has very much been my experience you know, getting out into these meetings and, and convincing people that this is important. This isn't like, we're not talking about like four hours a day or whatever. Like we're talking about four hours, one time, and then maintenance in perpetuity. Like this isn't a heavy lift. It's just initially kind of onerous to, to do this stuff. And so those challenges of convincing people that this is important, that you do want to do it. I mean, that's, that's all able to be overcome if you pitch it the right way and if you package it the right way. Like we solve business problems. That's what we do in data governance. We solve problems that everyone says, yes, I have that problem. Yes, I have that problem. And so that, that's kind of how we've, we've overcome that. And that's not to say we've overcome all of them. And connecting those dots is often a challenge because you'll go in and everybody thinks they know what we do and everyone thinks they know what data governance is. And everyone has these kind of preconceived notions as they go into those things. And I'm here to tell them some of those are right. Some of those are off base. Here's what we do. And connecting those dots often is a challenge to say, well, you guys are doing that. And, and I've already done kind of that. Like, why don't you use what we've done? 
And then Reuse. they go and say, yeah, exactly. And and it's like building out that rapport with people. That's a challenge. It'll always be a challenge. And that's what I, I technology will change. Clouds will change. Computers will change. How we access things will change. How we use data will change. What won't change is people. People are people and will always be people. And so being able to go to that, it's almost more half psychology, half technology to be able to go into that like mindset and be like, I've been where you are. I know where you are. I understand your problem. I've had that problem. Here's how I can help solve it. That's important. All right. So I ask every guest this and let's zoom out just a little bit. You talked to us about what you're going to work on next, but let's talk about a bigger picture version of that. Predict the future for us, right? What is this discipline going to be in five years? The thing that I love about this job and about this company is that this is pioneering. We are pioneering right now. We're Lewis and Clark in our way through data centers, right? I think the foundation is there. I think what we've started to build out at Adobe and as an industry, the foundation and those principles are pretty solid. I think what'll happen is that footprint will expand. Frankly, globally, just like we have World Health, like we need a world data organization to kind of define some of these things. Otherwise, you're gonna have every country defining things in different ways and every state in this country defining things in different ways and companies aren't gonna be able to keep up. That's where data governance can really help because if you've done that pre-work to know what exists, so that you can be nimble, you can scale. I think that's where the real challenge is gonna be. And right now we're digging out of a hole. We're trying to catch up with those mountains of data that have been amassed over the past 10, 20 years. And you're generating more mountains every day. Every day, yeah, sure we are. All right, so some sort of global federation of data. Yeah, sign me up, I'm in. Moose droppings. We really went there. As much fun as we had with that imagery, the first takeaway is really quite critical. And I want to get into this main point right off the bat. Having clean data is like having clean water to drink. Identifying where and what your data is, classifying it, defining it, protecting it, and protecting the interests of those who are the subjects of the data itself. Think your employees, your customers, your partners. And back to that water discussion, you're never done. You may complete your initial rounds of data governance, but data is constantly growing and changing, as are the use cases for that data, the regulatory climate around that data too. So staying on top of these points is really a forever thing. This shouldn't be intimidating, okay? But I will acknowledge it's not easy. This gets us to our second takeaway, engaging with your business leaders around your org to do the actual governance work. This takes subject matter expertise from each business area. Say your sales department, your finance department, right? Coupled with enough authority in those groups. They not only have to decide on their definitions on terminology, calculation rules and such, but they have to have the authority to make that stick for the whole enterprise. The win here is reuse. As each of these decisions get made and published in visible ways through tools, of course, it means that everyone else who's creating analytics is able to leverage that rather than reinventing it each time. And the consumers of those analytics, they also benefit by having the same understanding when they read the resulting reports. The third thing is measuring the value of data governance. 
This part is not easy to do. Uh, ironically, we may not have been tracking some of this to help us form the baselines to measure against. But let's think about a few ways that we can measure success. How about in terms of fines from regulatory violations? Good data governance ought to help us avoid that, right? Now, I'll suggest a leading and a lagging indicator. A leading indicator of good data governance should be engagement with the governance process itself. How many responsible stewards have committed to doing the work? How fully have they done the classification and defining that I mentioned earlier? A lagging indicator here begins with that time to insight, meaning how long does it take to create analytics and then drive insight to the business? Those who have a great governance practice ought to be driving that time down, right? These are some key ways to measure the value of your data governance program as it evolves. Because remember, you're never done doing data governance. For Calibra, this is the Data Download, and I'm your host, Jay Millisher. We'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.